Live from the UK, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mike Drop Club, hosted by Douglas Hammond Message received. Message received. You do not need to know what you need. What you need. Just engage with the podcast feed. Just engage with the podcast feed. Providing weekly insights into cool stuff we've read, saw, did, or heard about what made us say, wow, eureka, damn, nothing is off limits. If it motivates and inspires you to reach your goals, then it shall be discussed. Featuring guest interviews from high performers and people of influence and weekly awards for the best mic drop moment. This podcast is guaranteed to leave you pumped up for the week ahead. Don't just live life, make life boom. for another episode of the Mic Drop Club. Today, I am blessed. I'm super, super pumped to have a conversation with Janet Idowu, who is a champion on leadership. So she's in the, um, the guest room waiting, bubbling in anticipation to drop some bombs on you guys so that we can inspire, we can bring some sort of inspiration and clarify what it really means to be a leader working within the NHS and other corporate organizations, because we've seen leadership being discussed all over LinkedIn right now. Broadcasting around the world. And leadership keeps being banded about what is leadership? What do we really mean about leadership? Are we all leaders? Let's debunk. Let's have that conversation and let's engage. So Janet, welcome to the Mic Drop Club. How are you doing? Hello, Douglas. <laughs> thank you. First of all, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I wasn't expecting to be filmed, so please excuse the bags under the eyes. It's been a very, very busy week, but I'm very, very grateful and lucky to be here. So thank you very much. No, it, the pleasure's all ours. It's all yeah. ours at the Mic Drop Club. We're here. The motto is Don't just live life. Make life boom. And as soon as I met you for the first time, I was gravitated to the energy that you have and the enthusiasm that you have, particularly around inspiring people to take on the mantle of leadership, people that have been marginalized for a long time, overlooked for positions. You know, what got you into leadership? And yeah, tell us what your journey has been like. So I'm, um, I currently work for Southwest London and St George's Mental Health Trust. I'm soon going to be uh, starting a new role as a clinical service lead, um, band 8A, my first 8 can, can you say that one more time, please? <laughs> okay, guys, everybody ready? Atomic <laughs> mic drop. That's your first mic drop already, yeah? And you're only like one minute in. <laughs> I'm so gassed right now, I'm telling you. <laughs> I thought I was going to get no mic drops, but yes, very happy about that. Um, yeah, so but it's my first 8A position um, within within Southwest London and St George's. Um, I have, I'm a, I studied uh, my postgraduate nursing at King's College London. I also have a law degree. I've worked in various different settings. I've worked, I've managed the bar. I've, I used to work as NHS 111 as a leader. So leadership roles has kind of always 
come to me. Um, I've never really sought out for leadership. It's something that I naturally do, I, I would say. Um, I trained uh, at CNWL and I love CNWL because all my mentors were black, all of them. Um, and I, I remember them all. They had a huge impact on me. I ended up at South West London St George's and I, I'll never forget it. I remember when I arrived at South West London St George's and I saw all my managers and they were pretty much white. All my colleagues, band mm. fives, they're all black. I thought, I'm not going to be a manager. I, might as well, I want to stay with my friends. Mm. <laughs> they're all band fives. I don't want to go up. Why would I want to go up and, you know, talk to people that don't understand me, expect me to change? And that's just not who I am. I just couldn't do it. Mm. Um, it was only when I did the leadership program, which I'm going to talk more about today. It, it was when I got that fire in my belly. Um, but, you know, I, I've had a very short career in nursing, um, but leadership is something that that is so important to me. And, and I think, you know, when I look at myself and who I was five years ago, I don't want that person to also look up and think, nah, not interested in wanting to be a leader, especially the good ones. We don't want them to be stuck behind. So, yeah. Sure. No, no, thank you for that, because we do know that there's a lot of hesitancy. There's a lot of fear amongst um, minority groups in sticking their head above the parapet, because sometimes it's all, all about being available, but not at the forefront. So kind of like it's being, being like, almost like a naughty child type situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't be seen. Kind yeah. of stuff. Be there in the background doing what you're doing. So in terms of your own um dynamic, like your own passions, like you said you've you gravitated to leadership positions or you've been found to be in leadership positions. That's Is it. there something about yourself, your personality, or something about your background that has, has given you this extra um pizzazz or extra like impetus to be around leaders? Uh, so I've, I don't I don't know if this is relevant or not, but I'm Nigerian. Um, I'm a very proud Nigerian. My parents pushed me a lot, mm. um, but, but I'm also very proud to be British. I'm not going to lie to you. I love I love eating pounded jam, but I also you know love a roast dinner. Um, mm. And I think because I'm so proud of my culture um, and, and just proud of who I am, I've, my mum's always instilled that confidence in me to just say it how it is, no matter how messy it looks. And I I know in my early parts of my career. I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of rude emails, you know, attitudes. And, and I, I think I behaved in that way because I thought, you know, I'm not going to change who I am um, to, to get the message out. Mm. And what I've learned as I've, I've started to develop and, and I think that's how these opportunities have come to me is how to not change who you are, but adapt your, to the situation so that you can get the message through. And, and that's, that has sort of worked. That has definitely worked a lot for me. You know, it's about, you know, I think, and that's what's so important for me as well to share with others. How do you get the message across without having to change yourself? That's really, really important. Um, and I think that we have this naive uh, misconception that in order to be the leader, you have to be completely different. And that's not true. Mm, mm, mm. Interesting. There's, there's yeah. a lot to unpack there. Yeah. To unpack there. Um, there's something you said about attitude as well, which I want to break down with you. And also this also misconception of changing oneself into something else to be a leader. Um, but just just touch upon attitude and what's the biggest shift in attitude that people need to to reconcile if they want to be in a position of authority and leadership? 
I think there is that you need to change the way you see leadership, and I and I've also sometimes I feel, I feel like I've changed. I've I feel like I'm ta- I've taken on that role. Excuse me. Um, I want to pave the way for other people that see themselves in me to and uh, uh, and see that actually you know Janet's done this. She's able to you know m- work her way up, um, and and she's the same you know, and so it's the attitude of actually self-belief and believing you can actually do this mm. um, and and I think you know when I think about my attitude um, I don't want to make it personal to anyone else but when I think about my attitude I know that I had an attitude of F this absolutely not you know mm. excuse mm. the language you know and I, I, that's what that's what I'm trying to pinpoint on I want people to believe change their mindset of you know we can't do this this is no chance but actually yeah we can she's done it he's done it these people have done it and also allyship as well mm-hmm. like i i have i have i remember right you know at band five nurse one of the things that people said to me was network 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 and i thought oh i don't want to be friends with these people <laughs> why would i want to be friends with people that see me less than them mm-hmm. um and and again that was a huge shift in attitudes because you're going to come across the people that are racist you are i've experienced it myself even someone who is proud to be british i've had british people be racist to me so you know that's you know I'm not naive in that sense Mm. um but I've also met some exceptionally amazing white allies you know white and black allies that have had a huge impact on my career so that's again part of that change of attitude and change of mindset um in order to achieve you know the the goal I don't know really what my long-term goal is but I do know that my goal is to try and, and and pave the way for others Brilliant, brilliant. And on that note, we have to big up Kath Gamble. Indeed. Because we talk about white allyship and she is top of the pile, as I say. Okay, she guys, gets her mic drop even though she's not here. We wish her speedy recovery. Um, yes, attitude. And you're so right. When I was in this game uh, in health, the first thing I saw was a lack of representation, right? And I'm going to challenge this whole concept of seeing yourself in position. Because that's how I was in the, initially. I was like, because I can't see anyone like me there. There's a problem. And I had a conversation with my parents about this because it was troubling me a lot. And I was like, do I aspire for more or do I just be grateful for being having this opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, my mother said to me, how vain are you, Douglas? <laughs> <laughs> she says, she goes, you're displaying a lot of Hebrews, aren't you, Douglas? I was like, what are you talking about? I can't see anyone myself there. And, I, and it was comments coming. And she goes, look, if we had to see ourselves as people in Great Britain, we would have stayed in Rhodesia at the time because they were pioneers. You know, they went... They left the war zone country to come to the UK with no reference of people like them there. And I think sometimes you can do yourself a disservice and lose some of that pioneering energy. Yeah. If you if we fixate on seeing somebody first, so it looks like us there. If you were to climb my Everest, every record that has been broken, <laughs> you can't see somebody else breaking it. Or you wouldn't, 
it defeats our purpose. Yeah. You're doing it because no one has done it. Yeah. You are the first. You're pushing your you're pushing your potential to its maximum. And um, I'm I'm completely with you on that on that that journey in terms of yeah um because it's taken me a long time I have to be really long in the tooth to speak like this because when I had energy levels it's almost about do you know what safety in numbers and all of that kind of stuff but as our as you go up in leadership I guess there's fewer and fewer of you there anyway yeah and it's more about allyship and allyship yep. and ally, allyship isn't it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think sometimes you, 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 once you have that mental strength to do it on your own, um, you, you will definitely get there and you keep pushing yourself. It's so, so funny you mentioned about your parents. So my, my, um, my, when I told my mum I'm doing nursing, she was like, ah, <laughs> why, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> she, she was not, kid because she she I, I kind of took that mentality from her and 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 you know it, it's something that we naturally do but actually once you gain that mental strength to keep pushing you know mm. and then and you bring people with you and I do want to give Catherine a special shout out as well she has been an exceptional ally to me um and she she's she's also she deserves a mic drop. She... Okay, guys. I, I was ready? waiting for the cue. <laughs> <laughs> <Mic drop>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she really has given me that mental strength and that mental agility, and 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 you know, reminded me that you know sometimes mm. you have to do this on your own, and you keep pushing, you keep pushing, um, and, and you know, once you've paved the way, everyone else can do it, and and you know, and that's how I've built this strong mental attitude to yes. want to be a leader no no that's that, that's brilliant that's that's brilliant and also in terms of changing oneself you know yeah. if you take a look at the um the cabinet right now mm-hmm. government there are lots of different personalities some <laughs> colorful personalities are there yeah and they as far as i'm objectively looking at them they're they're going there with their full personality on show Boris Johnson deliberately is unkept. I mean, unless <laughs> <I mean, laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to be specific, but exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's something about maybe we need to change the whole concept of how we view ourselves and how we allow others to view us and be ourselves. Because sometimes we can come back from work extremely tired. It's only because we've been wearing the masks for so long, laughing at jokes we don't particularly find funny, you know, talking in a way that is rather foreign, you know, and then you get home, you say, ah, you can relax and be yourself. But there's something about being yourself in all positions. And that comes from gaining confidence in your own skin as such. So what do you do to, to, to stride in the way that you do to have the confidence to just be, be present and not be fixated on how other people are perceiving you? You know, I love that question because it is really, really important to me. Um, just, just being, being myself. I think, so for example, I was a, uh, I was doing a reflective practice with a group, and um, it was a mixture of, you know, they had the white uh, group sat on that side, and we had the African ladies sat on the other side. Mm. And I'm not going to lie to you, I, 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 I kind of spoke in an African accent just so that I wanted to make sure they understood my question. And mm. I didn't care that my white colleagues were sat there. And, mm. you know, 
because I changed the way I was speaking so mm. that they could feel included, they just started opening up. They were coming up with excellent ideas. So um, I think as a leader, you need to have that confidence so that people are drawn to you. This is how you get information. This is how you get people to start to fool themselves. They were almost taken aback, but then also they felt at home. <laughs> they mm. felt really comfortable. And and I, I think with practice, um, you know, at, at first I felt a bit, it felt a bit alien to me but actually it's it starts it's starting to feel really normal you know for me to try and and make sure that everyone feels included I can put in a very posh British accent but I you know I can also put a very strong African accent as well just so that all my people feel really really included that's so important to me um i don't like people the, the thought of anyone feeling left out or feeling bullied um or feeling how i felt really it, it just mm. yeah it, it breaks my heart and that's not something i want and i think i've got that way through confidence and through practicing brilliant and the, the practice is something that is excellent because when we talk about communication and the art of communicating it's all to do about making sure that your message is heard yeah. to the to the recipient, right? So you yeah. can you should be bilingual, literally. <laughs> yeah. you know, I always I'm in awe when I watch the Eurovision Song Contest and Confession. I watch it every single year. I just <laughs> I love it. I, I grew up on Eurovision. <laughs> you know, you can do what Very you want. Awesome. Champions no, League. It has to be done, right? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I'm a Tottenham fan, so I don't even want to get into that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Commiserations for yesterday. Um, Thank you. It's one of those things, right? It happens. <laughs> it happens. But the whole point, the whole point of being being confident that you can walk the corporate, the the boardroom environment, you know, because in the boardroom there is a culture. Yeah. Within the boardroom. There is. You know. Um. Do you want to share your experience of the culture of the boardroom? <laughs> in, in all, in all, not just health, in your yeah. own experience of that culture, please. So I, I guess my, my experience is, is that it is designed by white people for white people in that they use language that makes people feel excluded, makes people feel uncomfortable, they so almost overcomplicate things and and I think that's how I in my journey of become, wanting to become a leader what I've done is I've tried to understand and adapt and learn these languages and learn these things and what I've realized is that it's all a facade it is all uh, it's like a cloakroom just to keep people out and and that's my understanding of a boardroom um and and when I speak because I do a lot of coaching and mentoring for uh, junior staff members and one of the things they always say to me is I'm scared and and I and I I'm very candid I'm I'm, I'm like you know this is all a facade you'll be absolutely fine you know mm. Mm. Just remember these keywords um, to, if you're doing an interview or if you're presenting, but you know, it is all a facade and it is a facade to keep people out. And I think, you know, when we talk about maybe, you know, uh, systematic systematic racism and something that's institutional racism excuse me when we talk about institutional racism this is kind of what it stems from you know it's about how do we keep people on the outside we do that by you know using really large extravagant complex language that people mm. can understand and then when you got to understand it you realize they're just 
saying what I'm saying, but just in a really different language, you know, really yeah. posh accent. Mm. Um, and, and that's that's my and so that's why when I go into a boardroom environment or I'm in a meeting situation, I feel comfortable being myself challenging and asking because I know this is all a facade and we're all pretending here to be better than we actually are because mm. actually we're all the same yeah 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 and I think sometimes knowledge is hidden yeah for a long time and I think the internet has de debunked a lot of that because the language that's complicated jargonistic language yes it's accessible to everybody <laughs> I think there's a there's a responsibility aspect to leadership that um, for you to feel responsible to do something comes from an innate ability that you know you can solve this problem. Like I, when, when you kindly asked me to help co-facilitate some of the leadership programs, that's one thing I tried to get um, the students to start acknowledging. Because first of all, what problem are you uniquely positioned to solve? It's like you, a patient will be admitted onto a ward that speaks um, Ukrainian or something like that, Hungarian, whatever it is, Latvian. Can you speak Latvian? No. But there's interpreters that, that you need to book in to come. So they were solving a problem. Yeah. yeah. So at, 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 that, at that rudimentary level, translated right to the boardroom level, it's still the same thing. Why are you in the boardroom in the first place? What problem are you solving <laughs> with your skill set? Because I think sometimes the biggest issue is you get to the boardroom and don't know what problem you solve. Mm -hmm. So you sit there and just sit there, look pretty, and just count the seconds and think, not not a problem, but you're not there to solve any problem. Yeah. You know, the whole agenda item does has nothing of, of it that you can contribute to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not really a fan of numbers. I'm not really a yeah. fan of having quotas for people to fulfill positions, particularly if they don't have the ability to add value in that position. Yeah. I think it could be detrimental not only to your service, but to the individuals there, because you crush their confidence anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I you know, I, I, um, I remember when I was, a, 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 was working out as a team manager, I had huge imposter syndrome because I thought I, I was put in this role. I don't know why I was put in this role. I don't know what my team didn't really want me as their manager you mm. know I had huge huge imposter syndrome and 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 I think that's that's definitely part and parcel with um this this facade that you know many black people experience when they are in a leadership role you know that they, they they put themselves under this pressure of you know when this is we need to do this this is what you're here to do this is how a leader looks like this is how a leader speaks you don't sound like a leader but you know once I got over this imposter syndrome and realized um I may not necessarily know what I'm here to solve but I know what I'm here to do mm -hmm. <laughs> I know I'm here to do a job that yeah. that could be you know the answer within itself so oh, just just for that let's pause for like let that marinate right let that marinate you are so much more. You are so much. Mic drop And it's so, so important for people to recognize. Make life boom. That when we have imposter syndrome, everybody has imposter syndrome at some point. Everybody has imposter, yeah. imposter syndrome at some point. It's the techniques that we evoke to do it. There's a school of thought that says, fake it until you make it. That's my... That is actually my motto. I think I should have that tattooed on me. <laughs> <laughs> you're faking it till you make it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get a okay, for guys, your everybody ready? <laughs> Atomic mic drop. <laughs> right. 
very long time I was faking it. I'm telling you, I just pretended like I was. I had this confidence, but inside, I was. I was scared. I was really scared. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, when I was given a promotion quicker than you know everyone was like what you're not ready for a bansy i was really scared but i stood my ground and said no this is this is what i'm doing but inside i was honestly faking it yeah no that's that's excellent and um that's common the fake it till you make it one is common i was taught another one (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no i i I use i've used the two right and this is this is what i was taught right to live it till you become it love that one yeah because yeah. Uh, the, the funny thing is imposter syndrome still means deep down you think you're an imposter mm-hmm. you don't change it doesn't change all what happens is it allows you to cope in that situation yeah because you're really, your little voice inside you you're, the mini you the real <laughs> you thinks it thinks they're fake <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's always going to think they're fake no matter yeah. where they're going mm-hmm. but you're living it you're you're faking it consciously till you become it so if you're living it there's no evidence to support that you're not it. For example, leaders carry themselves a certain way. So you carry yourself that certain way. Yeah. Leaders might, particularly in whatever field you're in, might dress a certain way, yeah. dress that particular way. That's why when I go for job interviews for senior positions, I always have to practice wearing the attire I'm going to be wearing on the day. <laughs> no point in boxer shorts, gown, talking to yourself in the mirror, going at it, yeah? The next time you wear the suit, the suit's not fitting in. You feel like a poster because nothing's connecting. You know, um, you have to live it. You have to actually live, live it. Use that like, leadership speech that um, that they use within your field of expertise mm-hmm. as normal language. Yeah. And do, not like, um, if again, if you mention Boris Johnson, for example, his mother's whole career personality on Churchill, yeah, he studied the guy. He's just moved into Churchill in front of eyes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but he's actually living it. You know, he, he, he there's no uh, to, to be yourself means you got to be yourself in whatever environment they put you in. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. And you can only do that if you're truly comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. You know, and you, you and your vision and your, your, your um, your mantras and everything else that you're having are working in unison because once you've got something that's not working in unison you're troubled you're yeah. you know you know answering questions in a very coherent way so how do you think we're doing as a as as marginalized communities in terms of leadership within the nhs is there more work that needs to be done how do you think we're, we're, we're moving i think we are slow we are slowly getting there we're getting there um but it is slow um mm-hmm. And I think the reason why that is, is, is because it's, it's the culture of the organisation. And um, I, re- I can remember, I don't want to get sued, so I'm not going to name this school, when I was studying one of my educations. Um, and um, I remember sitting with one of my co- mentors, he was my personal tutor, we sat in the room. I'm very open when I talk about racism, because I just think everyone should be talking about it. Mm. Um, so I was sitting with one of my personal tutors, uh, and uh, I remember saying, look, I'm experiencing this racism, and he, he just wouldn't, he, he just wouldn't even acknowledge mm. my question. It was the mm. most bizarre experience. Yeah. A couple of years later, I see him on Twitter, throwing a glass of water in a black uh, person's face, saying, go back to your country. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder he... 
<laughs> you know, he, he probably didn't think it existed. Um, and and I remember at that same school, I went to another tutor. I said, look, I'm, this is why I sent, I sent this uh, tutor an email. I said, I'm experiencing this. You know, my colleagues keep talking about African aunties throwing their wig on the floor. They were being really derogatory. And I didn't know what to do. Didn't get a response. I remember seeing a face-to-face tutor panicked. Now, this is a very, it's an excellent school, well-renowned. And, you know, you, you, I spoke to these people because I just expected a well-renowned school to have that natural ability to talk about race. And they didn't. Um, the reason why they didn't is because it wasn't embedded in their culture. Um, I spoke mm. about this at the RCN. You know, we, we talk about, you know, we talk about how the NHS are contractually obliged to ensure there's equality and diversity in the workplace. Mm. But... <clears throat> If we don't have the culture, if people don't want to talk about it, how are, how are things going to change? And I think that's the thing that we need to be working on um, is about having these really open, un- uncomfortable conversations with staff members, not yes. keeping it into, you know, the black network group where we all come together, congregate and complain. And then it goes to one person, then it goes to another person. It needs to be spoken about openly with everyone. I think that's really, really important and will go a long way to ensuring that there's, you know, diversity and and all these leadership programmes won't necessarily be needed all the time. Mm, mm, Interesting, interesting. Um, In terms of the the leadership programme, I think it's essential. And after done two of them with you, I've seen the value, not only in my own life, because I've gone back driving, reflected back on some of the conversations that we had. It has galvanised and it has um, raised awareness in terms of what skills are needed. And I think that's important. I think you, you make some very, very telling telling um, points there in terms of leadership. Um, in terms of the, the future gazing, like what practical things should organisations be doing to have some of these difficult con- conversations because i guess if you're in the, if you're in the dominant culture within any country any environment you've never really had to change your culture your background your history you never had to reflect on it in a different way you know um and i guess this is what's required at some level to shift the bar because as long as the history books still pertain to and um tell stories that we are a subprime, yeah. <laughs> it's hard for those people who've been educated, even even black people in educating that system, to see themselves in any other situation. Um, so I guess there's an educational piece that needs to be had, but that safe space where people can just be open and frank and explore what good looks like, because it's this unknown. So the fear, I guess, is a boardroom full of diversity <laughs> you know to those who uh <laughs> who can't imagine that there's a fear there what is that fear <laughs> i think it's it's really difficult so I, I, I have lots of i i don't want to be critical but i think there is this fear of change you know there is this huge fear, and nobody likes change, whether you're black, white, Asian, whatever, we don't like change. And are we, uh, you know, I think, you know, people may have this 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 naive or archaic 
mindset that you know am I if we're gonna invite all of these black people into the you know boardroom are we gonna have to change that we way that we speak when we've been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years in our country you know mm. <laughs> it's, mm. it's very naive but it's all very unrealistic and I think yeah. that's probably one of that that's the biggest th- fear that people have but I think you know until board members senior executives chief executives it it has to start from the top i think um and if it doesn't start from the top you know we can we can do our best i can do my best on the ground to try and pave the way i'm I'm trying to just pave the way for a small group of people really you know and for me that's fulfilling enough but is it going to do enough to really make a huge impact in in the workplace i don't know i i I have sort of an innate desire to want to be a chief executive to be honest with you just so that speak it speak it speak it into existence just through the ground Let's do, let's do the atomic bomb. Okay, guys, everybody Speak ready? Speak it to your <laughs> Chief executive. Why not? My, uh, Why not? I'm, I have a... If not you, then who? <laughs> well, this is it. And I, I think... I think this, I have told Vanessa Ford actually, so she's the chief executive at Southwest London St George's, that I am after a job. So she's very well aware. But mm. I think if it doesn't start from the top, the point is, if it doesn't start from the top, then, you know, it's just not going to happen when we talk about leadership whether it's leading a family you know you look at your mum and your dad to to make that decision and to lead you and to pave the way it's any in any setting it always has to start from the top and when it starts from the top it does work its way down and I think that for me is definitely the answer in terms of changing culture in the workplace oh wow wow (laughs) on that note (laughs) on that note Janet on that superb note should i say um is there any take-home messages for our listeners to to reflect on in terms of leadership we've we've gone like full circle in terms of defining what we what leadership is all about the culture of leadership the challenges that you can have in leadership you know the call for leadership i guess um anything else that practical things that people can do who are just tithering on the thing of "Mm, Maybe this is for me. I think I think what's important to remember is that we are not soldiers. We are not I'm not expecting everyone to be anti-racist and point out, you know, this person's racist. I'm going to point at you in the face. It's, it's exhausting. But when you just take baby steps, if you see something, have open discussions with your team, you know, and do it till you feel comfortable because once you start I promise you it just gets so much easier each time and yeah. I think that's really important um we're not asking people to to, to go out there gung-ho and change the world but if we don't start making baby steps it's nothing will ever change yeah absolutely absolutely and Janet somebody who's living a life who's living it and they're becoming it I'm watching you grow I'm watching you grow in leadership, in stature, Thank in providing you. real value. I think that's what it's about. It's about having people in strategic positions that add real value. And one of the key metrics that every leader is measured against is the leaders that they produce under them. Yep. So as a student of Kath Gamble, <laughs> Miles Rinaldi, and all the allies I've had at Southwest London Trust, 
they've created me and through me i've supported other people and janet yourself through being instrumental with, with the leadership program how many leaders are coming through you through your teachings that is what leadership for me is all about and just want to salute you on behalf of mic drop club and we wish you well last mic drop because you're getting too deep okay guys Comic mic drop. And connect with Janet on all her social handles. I'll give you access to that information in the show notes. You guys take care. We out. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out micdropclub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life. Make life boom. Boom.